Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your source for outdoor gear in interior Alaska. It's a locally owned, longtime Fairbanks business that I've shopped at since I was a kid, and they've always done a great job of carrying a wide variety of quality, proven gear that'll tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to. Frontier Outfitters always stays current with gear for the season, and whether you're bear baiting in the spring, fishing or dip netting in the summer, looking for game bags and gears for moose camp in the fall, or need to stock up on trapping lures, get a new spud bar, or just need some bait for your winter burbot sets, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, lots of guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as gun safes. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find your snow machine and ATV accessories like sleds and hitch pins, gun boots, hot grips, as well as a full selection of marine and boating parts and accessories. They really go out of their way to stock quality, useful equipment, and it's truly one of those great hometown sporting goods and hardware stores that every town needs to have. Whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on that never-ending home improvement project, or you just need to rehandle an axe, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location out in North Pole, so make sure you stop in there and tell them you heard about it on Tundra Talk. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Real Estate, a local brokerage that can cover your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area, whether it's residential, commercial, or just undeveloped property. The Hedgecocks have been active in the Fairbanks and North Pole real estate market since the early 80s and have put together a team that really reflects the diverse needs of homebuyers in interior Alaska. With a brokerage team made up of multi-generation Fairbanks locals, transplants, and military veterans, they really understand the unique aspects of living in the interior and what that means when it comes to shopping for a home in general, buying land to build a home, and they also understand the situations that many military members are in when needing to buy or sell a home in Fairbanks. This is really a unique place to live, and whether it's learning why some houses have water-holding tanks instead of wells, how much it'll cost to heat a given house, or just what recreational opportunities are close by, they're here to help you. More than simply acquiring or building a piece of property, they can help you find the right property in the right place and help you learn from their experience. The Hedgecock Group offices are on Noble Street in Fairbanks, and if you want to get in touch with them, visit www.fairbanksakhomes.com. That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Freel, sitting down tonight with uh, first time on the show, Mr. J.T. Morgan. As was just described to me, big M little organ. I do it the other way. And the B, and the B, and well, the beast from southeast, Mr. Brett Evans. How's it going, guys? It's good, good to be here. Yep. It's good to be back in the interior from yeah. our, uh, our deer hunt that turned into a deer season. Yeah, you kind of disappeared big time there. It was. You uh, got your awarded with your COVID nineteen veteran bat. Ribbon, right? I got that. Mr. Evans somehow escaped that, unfortunately for him. Superhuman, actually. Once uh, COVID got exposed to me, it had to go into quarantine (laughs) for 10 days. So, you know, that's like the, is that the stolen valor thing? Because he did, gave me the direct implication that you had it too. No, he scared the shit out of COVID and it took off running. No, I, I lived with these guys on a boat for a week when we were hunting on Admiralty and then, um, 
had a bed and breakfast for a week when we were quarantining. I never got the shit. Man. Everyone else was sick. I mean, they've tested positive. Two of the guys were kind of sick. JT and Typhoon Pete didn't even have <laughs> symptoms. We said, fuck it, and just kept hunting. It was great. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We had we were out blasting ducks and geese and shot a goat and with a bunch of COVID positive dudes out quarantining on the salt water. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good pretty good time to me. Yeah. I've it, been feeling a little jealous like of, of I it's been a couple of years since I've gone down deer hunting or really doing much hunting. Once you get into the winter, I kinda shut down, you know, and I'm just like Ugh, got the still the itch hasn't gone away. <laughs> I you know I love it because it's. I mean we when we went down there and I was talking to my uncle we went out on his um, purse saner. He said, "Do you guys want to kill big deer or lots of deer?" We all looked at each other and said, "We want to kill all the deer." <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, we didn't cut all our tags, but we we gave it a hell of an effort. Nice. We could have, if, if we'd had a couple more days of hunting, we would have cut all our tags. Nice. Yeah. Well, it looked like you guys, like, you know, pretty good collection of bucks. Like, not, you're not just plugging skippies. Well, we, we got a couple of them. We were doing, uh, the, because we didn't want anybody to feel bashful about shooting tiny deer or does. Cause Naturally. It's, yeah, because it's on Admiralty. So is it the goes. first thing you do, you just plow, just yeah. plow yeah. the first thing that comes well, steps up? yeah, I think the... We we decided uh, decided to do a a b- biggest smallest and most competition. Yep. And I don't think I think Pat got the most. Yeah, it, it got real cloudy because of how many deer got shot by multiple people. There was that too. <laughs> it, was, it was like a firefight. <laughs> Pat Pat and Brian had a ten- tendency to just start slinging lead. Just a bunch of gut shooters. <laughs> Fairbanks gut shooters. Yeah. Um. And then what else? I'm I'm still pretty confident I got the smallest deer. Well, it depends on how we how we score it. He got a little doe. I shot a button buck. They were pretty close to the same size. But does a doe qualify? I don't. Well, <laughs> we're, we weren't measuring inches. I figured we were measuring pounds. I'm pretty sure it was the smallest deer. Yeah. But we laid them side by side and kind of went, oh, yeah, that's. Well, sometimes, yeah. If you're not if you're not being picky or. When I, I mean, the first blacktail I killed was about like that. You know, I'm just walking through the woods. Nope, there, there's a deer. Boom. Yeah, man, that's, these things are little. Yeah. Well, <laughs> these guys were asking me about their because they had hunted a couple of them had hunted Kodiak before, but on the south side where it's grassy and rolling hills and mm-hmm. hunting deer kind of on the the open hillsides. And they were saying, hey, you know, how do you hunt these deer? I said it's kind of like hunting really big snowshoe hares in the brush. You're just sneaking through the brush. Occasionally you're blowing a call, and hopefully you run into them, and when you do, you blast them, and hopefully a blacktail comes in and not a brown bear. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, yeah, that's what we did. We we timed the rut pretty well. We had a bunch of yeah. bunch of bucks come into the, the calls. Yeah, bucks were very active. I mean, we, yeah. we weren't passing on deer, and yet... 10 out of the 11 deer we killed were bucks. Oh, yeah. nice. And we weren't passing on does. I think there was only one doe passed on. Did, uh, yeah. what kind of calls are you guys using? Drop shots. Yeah, oh, drop, drop shots. Drop shots. Is that, or is uh, the ones Bill Yockey makes, 
Is uh, th- that's not drop shot? No, I don't think drop shot's right here in Alaska. It, yeah, it, Bill, Bill's in southeast too. Okay. Yeah, I think the the guys that make drop shot calls are on Prince Wales. Yep. Okay. They make a good call. These and ones I just had happen to have this one. Well, obviously I'd rather. What's that? Maybe I'm not practicing what I preach, but uh, no, like the ones I've always used are these ones. These little deer talk. Yeah. Those elk ink, I think they're made mm-hmm. in Montana. It's a mule deer bleed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. I'd like to give that a try. But they're you like one side um one side sounds more like a fawn and the other one like a like a doe. Like, yeah. yeah. That, and that's exactly what they sound like too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's that's on a call. That would be yeah, I'd like to get a the, couple of those. I mean, these are nice, like some of the ones those guys make are really like nice looking, mm-hmm. high quality. And that's like, how, fancy the calls. drop shots are really pretty call. And they're well finished. I, I always use these because they were like eight bucks and I can bring like three of them and I'd mm-hmm. stick one in my pocket or just hold it in my well, mouth and shoot my bow, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, those don't those plastic calls don't swell up when you're living in the rain. Oh yeah, and, I hadn't didn't even think about that. And I I had a yellow cedar call. It was made by um, a Clinkett native down in southeast Alaska, and it wasn't varnished. Mm-hmm. And it worked really good for the first couple of days, and then yeah. it swelled up, and it, it stopped working. Then I was using my drop shot, which was varnished, yeah, and it worked great the whole time. Nice. But that one that you have, I think, would be dynamite as well. Yeah, and it's kind of, yeah, like I said, one end, of, you, you use one end of it. It's a lower pitch, sounds like a doe. Yeah. The other end, like a fawn, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes... I know when I was a kid, we used them for for mule deer, like, I mean, pretty limited mule deer hunt experience, but it would call them in. And yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we'd use it for coyotes, too, and several times call, like, in early in the winter, call, you know, calling three or four bucks, like, seeing them come running yeah. from, like, a mile away is huh. weird. Yeah. I don't know why, not being much of a mule deer hunter, obviously, myself, I don't know if, if it just doesn't. See, I mean, the promo video obviously like just shows it working like yeah. crazy, and it seemed like it worked pretty well when I was a kid. I don't know why it's not more popular than it is. Maybe it's not. Huh. I don't know. I'm I'm an awful deer hunter. JT is a way better deer hunter than I will probably ever be, and has probably killed way more deer than I ever will. But which like I, tell us about that, JT? Like, are, are you from up here too? No, or? my dad was military. I grew up all over. He's originally from Wisconsin. Gotcha. Spent teenage years in Vermont, which is terrible deer hunting. Oh, it's right, right in Dr. Schultz's buddy Frank's neck yeah. of the woods. Yeah, he yep. grew up in Vermont. Yeah, my parents still live there. Uh, they're still stuck in that stupid place. Uh, I went back and forth to Alaska and decided this was home. I don't, every time I got pulled out of here, I hated it and yeah. couldn't wait to get back and finally got in a position where I didn't have to ever freaking leave again. Nice. But I grew up, I grew up deer hunting. Uh my military time, I was stationed up in New York, which actually had very good deer hunting. I'd kill four or five deer a year and never get in my truck, just hunt around my house. Nice. Uh, did did some other hunting back east quite a bit. So, I like deer hunting. Yeah. I miss it a little bit. It's one of the few things I miss about the east, but if I can if I can make little trips to the southeast every year, I'll get yeah. my fix. I never had any, I never really had any interest in, like, whitetail hunting until I ended up getting to change my moose yeah. hunt in alberta over to a whitetail hunt and shot yeah, that one yeah. now i'm like eh, i kind of understand now yeah yeah if nothing else it's kind of nice when you can kill an animal and just drag it the hell out of the woods <laughs> and yeah not, and not spend three hours chopping it up on the ground in several trips yeah i like i like the hunts that the work to fun ratio is that's that's is scary nice. that. that's where yeah. i'm at you know like you can have a great 
a moose hunt with a great work to fun ratio, but you got to be out there a long time having yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of, you know, Brett and I seem like year after year, we always end up at least once having this, oh shit, what have we done moment? Brett's pretty much famous for that. <laughs> you know, killing some massive animal in the worst possible place. You don't really have to worry about that with a deer. Yeah. Either you're not hunting in that bad a place or they're not that difficult to deal with once they're down. <laughs> no, I mean, a, a, you know, 90 to 100 pound blacktail and you're hunting within a quarter mile of the beach. Yeah. You know, or in my you, case, shooting them with their, with their toes wet. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works best. <laughs> Yeah, JT is. He dropped the rest of the guys off in the bushes, and then he just cruised up and down the beaches, and he'd <laughs> see a deer, pull into the beach, hop out, shoot it, drive the boat <laughs> over to it, toss it in the boat. That's, that's, I like to be efficient. That's easy yeah. living there. <laughs> Very efficient predator. There's a lot to be learned from that. We were out there thrashing through the bushes and making buck packs and. and carrying them out of the forest. Yeah, I did but. see it. I've never done that myself, but I did see a picture of you doing that where you, you run the front legs, you cut a slit between the, the hind leg and that, like the hawk yeah. and that tendon and yep. run the front legs through, make a backpack out of them. Yeah, that's it's slick and it's it only takes a couple of minutes to do. It's really, really easy um, and it beats the hell out of dragging them through the brush. Yeah, that gets old. Gets, uh, do you want to talk about showing you how quick quickly show you how out of shape you are yeah. especially yeah. when you're in all that deadfall on those southeast islands and stuff it's just you're constantly climbing over climbing under even when you're not dragging something it's a pain in the ass so and i do you follow the alaska blacktail forum yeah so i've i've always seen the traditional buck pack where the the you break the four legs and you stuff them through the the hawks mm-hmm. and put it on like a regular backpack but i saw a video on there there was a series of videos that somebody posted on the Alaska Blacktail Forum a couple of weeks ago, maybe, or a month ago. And they they skin the legs, the front legs, a little bit further down. And they, so like the, the left foreleg would go through the um, right hind leg and the right foreleg would go through the left kind of hind leg. crisscross there. Crisscross it, but they skin the, the foreleg back far enough to where you just have... And they crossed, it's crossed, and then the part over your shoulders is just skin. Okay. And huh. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but if you're interested, go to the Alaska Blacktail Forum and check it out on Facebook. Yeah. And there's a really cool series of tutorial videos on how to do this, and it doesn't take any longer to do it. I think it's just a slightly different technique. But then the deer is laying sideways instead of vertical. Okay. And, uh, because it's laying sideways, it doesn't spill all the blood and, and right juice your, from the innards right down your back. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I think I'm going to give that a try the next time I shoot one, you know. I think I'm just going to keep shooting them on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I can't or, really argue with that. I work hard enough in the mountains in August and September. I don't need to work hard in, in November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So the kind of the backstory on this trip... We weren't even supposed to go to Southeast. We were supposed yep. to go to Montague for the first week of November. Mm-hmm. Prime blacktail rut, right? And uh, we were watching the weather because it was like, you know, going from Seward and crossing over to Montague can get a little bit treacherous. Mm-hmm. We were watching the weather. Big storm was blowing in. And we got a hold of the captain. He said, you know what, guys, don't bother. This By the time that this thing blows through, it's going to be time for me to take the next trip. 
Yeah. So we're we're just going to cancel it. We were dealing with that big snowstorm up here too. So even the drive yeah. to Seward was looking like junk. Yeah. Yeah. Was that that the basically the only big dump of snow we've yeah. had yet this mm-hmm. year? And then yeah. just as it cleared here, they were going to get dumped on from Anchorage to Seward. So we looked at it and kind of went either way. We're driving through junk for twelve hours. Yeah. Or more, yeah. Even if we all the way to Seward. Even if we had flown to Anchorage and rented a rig. We would still get hung up in Turnigan Pass because yep. it was bad down there. Yep. So, and then the weather in the Gulf was bad. Yep. The captain told us, don't bother coming down. Yeah, that was the deal breaker. That was the deal breaker. And so I called in a favor with uh, some family down in Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, you know, you mind doing me a solid? We'd, you know, we our hunt got shut down due to weather and. So my uncle was kind enough to take us out on his commercial fishing boat. Nice. Our kitchen passes expire at the end of the week. We really want to get out. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, we all have the time blocked. We all got, um, our old ladies are cool with us being gone for a week. Um, Child care. (laughs) We really got to make this happen. (laughs) We really got to make this happen. It mean a lot to us. We'll spend the Um, rest of our lives paying our old ladies back for this trip. (laughs) And uh, he's like, you know, yeah, let's, let's go shoot some deer. It'll be a great time. We'll go out to Admiralty, um, shoot some deer, hunt some ducks, kill some geese, have a good time. And uh, he said, just, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit worried about this whole COVID thing. So if you guys could just get tested before you come down, make sure that you, you aren't bringing a bunch of sick people or potentially sick people into Petersburg. That'd be real cool. He said, you know what, Eric, you got it. Anything. I really appreciate you hooking us up. So everybody went and got tested. Everybody was negative, right? And uh, <laughs> so we got to Petersburg, got all of our stuff together, hit, hit the liquor store. I think the guy spent about a thousand bucks on booze. You know, got to have provisions. <laughs> yeah. In case we got. It, it was the in case on- you had to barter. It was the only yeah. stop we made between the airport and it the It was boat. the only stop we made between the airport <laughs> and the harbor. It jammed down to the harbor. Threw all of our, our gear on the fishing boat, lifted a couple of jet skiffs onto the bait house, took off for Admiralty, and uh, we got out there, what, on a Monday night? Yep. You guys got in on a Monday yeah, morning? Yeah, we got weathered in June on Sunday night. Yeah. You guys were yep. delayed a day. Yep. Yeah. There's kind of, there's kind of just... a trend to this trip where things just keep going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so... We got out to Admiralty that night, dropped the anchor, weather was good. Next morning we got up, and it was like one of those magical days in southeast Alaska where it was like, it was shifting between blowing southeast and being rainy and turning into like a northerly high pressure. Sky was clear, winds were calm. I was like, today's the day, guys. You don't even know how good this is going to be. Said So you need to hunt your faces off. Because it'll probably be pure shit and ra- sideways rain tomorrow, because that's how this place normally is. Yep. And uh, so we we left the the boat as soon as we had light to start running the jet skiffs and mm-hmm. started dropping guys off on the beaches. And I mean, that first day we killed how many deer did we kill, JT? Oh, three or four the first day. I think we got five. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we got five the first day. We got mention it. We got five deer the first day. Yeah. And we had bad weather for a couple of days, but we managed to squeak a couple yeah. on. I think we got three the last day, which was only a morning hunt. Yeah, we got five deer the first day. 
passed on a brown bear yep. and shot some sea ducks is what Pete calls a southeast wet dream. If you can get a <laughs> if you can get a black tail, a brown bear and a and a harlequin all in the same day. Nice. So but no he passed yep. on the brown bear. It was it was this was pretty bare, it just wasn't quite big enough. Um and we we're I guess when we had we had just finished up the stock on that brown bear, decided to pass. Pete gets an inreach message from his old lady, who's a nurse. Pete's a doctor. And uh, <laughs> she says, hey, got some bad news. I just tested positive. You might want to get tested when you get back to town. You guys should probably head back to town soon. We're like, wow, steam back well, to we'll get tested when we get back to town. Yeah. We got a lot of tags <laughs> to cut. <laughs> yep. And we're like... Fuck it, you know, the damage is already done. We're yeah. already out here living on the boat together. Yeah. yeah. If one guy's got it, we all got it. Yep. So we stayed and we just kept shooting deer. It wasn't as good as the first day. The weather yep. kind of went sour on yeah. us, but yeah. we were still scraping up two or three a day after that. Although, man, I mean, at least on a fog knack, the hunting I've done, I, that was those were some of the funnest days when the weather's just shit. It's howling, wind, and mm. raining, and like, because the deer can't hear you. Like, yeah. I've almost, like, almost stepped on deer. Yeah. You know, just I, slow creeping through I there. I literally almost stepped on deer on this trip. I had to back up to shoot it. <laughs> I had to take a step back to shoot that, that doe that first night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I looked down at my feet and she was laying there. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, crap. I had to step back to shoot her. The, uh, the When it gets windy, I've had trouble with them coming to a call. Oh, yeah. But you just go creep through the real brushy stuff and you bump into them. It's like trying to jump shoot rabbits yeah or sometimes i mean or we would call we'd do okay call them when it was windy what was nice is you didn't have to go as far and like we wouldn't call for as long mm-hmm. you know like if you could hear really well if it was if it was calm you know might call for 15 or 20 minutes and then you'd have to walk a ways you know to try and get your sound into the net you know another set of draws or whatever um but uh when it was windy, I mean, it's like call for five minutes, mm-hmm. seven minutes, something like that, and then walk 200 yards and do it mm-hmm. again and have totally, de- you know, deer that they just couldn't hear you. Yeah. Or or sometimes, like, uh, one I killed with my bow, I was hunting with my dad, and we had called, we'd, we'd got, that was a freaking crazy day, because we were on a little, we got dropped off on a little island, and we had seen a big buck was it the day before um frank was with me yeah there because we had seen a deer on this teeny tiny island right next to it i mean like like 150 yard diameter island yeah and so spot for him to be so we (laughs) well you know my dad and there's another guy in the boat client on the boat um they're both long where my dad is recurved this other guy's long boat so we're thinking like, all right, me and Frank will drive this island, and you guys would like drop them off on the bigger island. Just you know, it's like a hundred yards across this little strait to it, and we got dropped off on the backside. All right, these deer are gonna jump in. We had we just seen like one little buck or something like that. We got dropped off on the backside. We don't see any of them. We just kind of make a bunch of noise, drive this island. And when we get over there, holy cow! You should have seen this deer. You know, like a big old three by three buck. Or uh-huh. um, anyway. So the next day, my dad and I got dropped off kind of in that same spot on the bigger island. And it's about, I don't know, maybe 
a little over a quarter mile wide and a mile or so long. Anyway, we got off there and immediately like started calling and called in a, a it may have been that same buck, but a big buck was chasing a doe that came in and they she she stopped to look at us and he jabbed her in the ass with his antler and she took off running and the other way and then we so we walked up to a little draw and called again and had two or three does come in and I you know they were a little out of range for me where I was set up and we just kind of creep around to the next one walking but what what we'd do is sometimes we'd see you know see a deer up there and just call to them and that's how I ended up killing little little forky buck but we could see him walk through the woods up there and just set up real quick and called him and he came running around and yeah, plugged him. You know what? I don't think any any of us called in any um, does, did we? No. Doe I shot was spotted on the beach. Uh, you know, I saw a few other does, but I don't think they were coming in to call. But. And I was, I couldn't figure that out. I was scratching my head I on don't, that one. The does are usually pretty respo- more yeah. responsive than I the bucks. I don't know that I called in a deer. I know the other guys are, you know, did, but yeah. I don't know that I called in a deer. I did, but, but we called in a couple, but we never called in any does, which is no. strange because I've called in does Normally, the, the, the does Usually, are more responsive than the yeah. bucks are. Usually, it's the does that are dragging the bucks in. Yeah. So interesting. But I, like I said, I'm a terrible deer hunter, so I was probably calling them wrong because <laughs> you walk too fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one TV show that I was watching where it's like, so I'll grab my call, try not to be too loud here. So your normal like bleat is just like, mm-hmm. like yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. This one TV show, which will not be named, it was like. <laughs> like, yeah. basically like that. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> yeah. No, I I usually, I'll do a bleat or two, wait a few minutes, do a bleat or two. Well, sometimes you can get, minutes. yeah, you can like get after it pretty mm-hmm. good. And they're like, a lot of times, especially, you know, if you use the fawn side, like them does yeah. will get pissed, like come yeah. in looking to stomp something. That's... Yep. So there's the last time I hunted down there during the rut, I had one of those little green Primos cans. Oh, the, the little tippy can. Those, yeah. Those, boy, work, I, those work too. I used to whitetail hunt with those a lot. Those, they always worked good. I was whitetail. surprised at how well that would work. Yeah. But they're just not very loud, so a deer has to be fairly close to you. Yeah, and that could be, you know, another one of those deals that's, like, real conducive to just height, just beating through the timber on foot, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. calling just for a few minutes every couple hundred yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously, like, you know, if if you're hunting with a rifle, you can be a little bit less picky on how you set it. Because the tough part when you're calling them, like, it works better with two guys with a bow anyway, because yep. you just set one guy 40 yards downwind and yep. then, you know, just pay attention. And mm-hmm. like that buck or doe, whatever they come in, they're looking right at the person calling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, yeah, if you're, it's, it always seemed like if you're the one calling, like they usually, I mean, they're pegging you mm-hmm. and they're kind of holding up 30, 40 yards downwind. Depend, all, all depends on the terrain and what kind of cover you got, how, how tight everything is, but. Hmm. 
see that with turkeys. I've seen that with bears. I've seen that with tons yeah. of animals. They seem to know just what that range is they need to stop at and hang up. Yeah. And moose. Yeah, having, moose are notorious. Set yeah. forward is always a great trick. Moose. I, I always get jammed up with moose on that. They always try to circle 50 yeah. yards downwind in the thickest brush around. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the, the you know, there's something, there's definitely something too if you can decoy them a little bit and get them like visually like, oh, yep. it's like a switch flips in them. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as they're, you know, I mean, the one Frank shot this year was like 50 yards straight downwind of us. And as soon as he like put up, I put up these canoe paddles, as soon as yeah. he locked onto those, just, it's like, he's like, I don't care. Don't care really? what I smell. I see, mm-hmm. a, I see another bull. And he was, he was ready to go. Yeah. Cause some trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Little yeah. did he know. <laughs> yeah. How far do you have to carry that one? Fucking about four feet. Oh, good. Oh, you get lucked out. Nicely oh, we did. done. No, oh, we know, we know <laughs> what we're doing, sort of. <laughs> no, yeah. both mine and Frank's. Yeah, we were able to, Frank's died kind of in a freaking swamp hole, but was able to yank him out with the four-wheeler. Oh, okay. And then gotcha. just had the just had to turn everything around and knock quarters off and bag them and throw them right in the wheeler nice. or right in the right in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Same thing with mine. Was able to get right to him. Huh. Yeah, you guys had a good season, didn't oh, you? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. A couple of moose, a couple of rams. Yep. Rain gear didn't fail on you. Rain gear didn't fail on me, <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you switch to rubber? Oh yeah. Yep. Back back to the Grundens uh, yeah, Neptune stuff. Mm-hmm. That's I've been super happy with that stuff. I've uh, I didn't. I mean, I still like recommend Heli Hansen the the Impertech stuff. I've yep. heard from a couple. I've heard of one or two people say that they think it's not quite as durable as it used to be or whatever. I don't know, but I know that that Grundens Neptune. I really like that stuff. I've been using it for like three or four years straight now. The same set. Mm-hmm. I think I no, I did get huh. two. I did. Adam grinned to sent me a new pair of bibs because he didn't like them or they didn't, they were a little high water on him. Oh, okay. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that stuff's solid and it's not that heavy. It's not, it's not much heavier than like a heavy duty set of Gore-Tex stuff. Okay. They make some other, I'll have to find it. I used to wear it when I was commercial fishing, but it was, um, like a thinner, stretchier version of Grundon. It was made by Grundons. And this this stuff mm-hmm. is a thinner, stretchier. Like it's similar to Impertech in that it's like fairly thin and it's kind of yeah. stretchy. You may be talk, You may be thinking the same. It might thing. be the same stuff. We'll have to look because I, if I have a set of it still out, if I don't have it put away. But yeah, I just I would get a can of uh, tan spray paint. Yeah. And just spray paint a camo pattern on there, just enough to break up your outline so you don't look like a dark green boogeyman. And it is i mean it's pretty hard to beat yeah no it is and you know i mean the same principles that like i sweat in any freaking rain gear so the same principles you put the rain gear on if you're gonna hike in it you gotta have like minimal layers underneath and pace yourself like Mm -hmm. don't get all fuck don't get all sweated up and if you do you know if you gotta stop put something on underneath it you know to stay warm you know it's not that complicated that's that's all we were when we were hunting in southeast was just rubber rain gear and rubber boots yep because i mean it's if it's if it's not raining all the brushes wet yeah yep and once yeah once you, you get everything soaked you're not going to be drying it out i mean mm-hmm. even camping on a boat where do you guys i camp we on the boat we were able to get our stuff 
fairly dry every evening. Yeah. We had boot dryers for our boots and stuff, too. That's handy. That's, yeah. the, that's the joy of of doing a liveaboard hunt is it's just it's a little bit more gentlemanly than having to camp yeah. out the beach timber. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And trying to trying to like sleep your stuff dry inside a tent and a sleeping bag yeah which and it's amazing really like how well you can sleep some of your some of the stuff they make dry mm-hmm. yeah but it's not quite as nice as just hanging it it's, hanging it up in a warmer you know it's really nice going back to the boat taking your stuff off in the in the in the bait tent or in the bait shed cracking a cold beer right out of the fridge (laughs) yeah getting cooking dinner in the galley pouring some cocktails and and uh and spreading some covid yeah (laughs) (laughs) so when was like when did the did did the first like signs of of uh everything might not be quite when we got when when we came back from the clinic and pete was positive yeah <laughs> so we were all good oh so Symptoms was this after you guys were done hunting or yeah, yeah so well we, after we got done deer hunting we were on admiralty from monday through what we got back we got back friday late Mid- friday Mid- night yeah we hunted friday morning we hunted tuesday wednesday thursday and half a friday yeah and then seven hours team eight nine o'clock at night Friday night we pulled back into Petersburg because you picked me up with that last deer and then we yep. loaded skiffs and and headed back to Petersburg yep um and uh, so what Pete Pete and I headed to the clinic at like one o'clock Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. Pete did the rapid test because he's a doc so they took care of him mm-hmm. and uh, yeah we get a phone call about an hour later when we're back on the boat skinning deer and cutting meat that pete was positive and that was when so he'd apparently picked it up from his wife or whatever before the tripper even started huh that's the story that he's sticking with yeah that's what i would stick with too yeah well the the funny thing there is that his wife she's back here they got three little boys the oldest one's like five yeah and she spent her 10 days in quarantine with her three little boys (laughs) pete got to spend his quarantine with his four buddies (laughs) duck hunting and drinking whiskey (laughs) and binge watching narcos on netflix well yeah because that's probably Probably what the uh, did you have to freaking like you get a positive test? You ain't going nowhere, type of mm-hmm. deal. Huh? Yeah, no, I mean that's what we 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 rented a place and we stayed there. But I was able to get my dad's jet boat and put it in the harbor and in, um, in front of the place we were staying at. Nice. Yeah. And so we'd sneak out and you know go out at night and go over to the gas station, fill up a couple of jerry cans, so that way we wouldn't come into contact with anybody and hike down to the harbor and fill up the jet skiff. And nice. The next morning we'd go hunt ducks and ran over to the mainland, killed a goat. So I mean, we did the right thing. We we were responsible. We didn't expose yeah. other people. And folks down there took great care of us. Yeah. Nice. And a lot of folks in Petersburg, you know, Brett's connections and family down there definitely came into play, and people really helped us out yeah nice. it, was, it was it was nice to get that much support from the community because they could have treated us like a bunch of lepers yeah, yeah. thankfully they didn't yeah. and uh and we made sure to be respectful of everyone else and stay away from everybody yeah. but you know pete and jt didn't have any symptoms not really other than um a little sniffly for yeah. a couple of days yeah some nothing much. Yeah, some blood loss didn't lose your no. <laughs> Lose no. your sense of smell or nothing no. like that? Uh, Brian and Pat both lost their sense of smell and taste for a few days. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they had a little more fatigue and some of the other kind of symptoms. But nobody was, was real sick. No one was bedridden. You know, if I hadn't been thinking about COVID, I wouldn't have even known I was sick. 
Yeah. What um, a time to be if you're a hypochondriac. Oh, yeah. Holy oh, shit. Well, man. and that came with a play down. It's like, like any little sniffle, like the mm-hmm. cold doesn't hasn't gone away. Just yeah. sitting around you know, waiting to die. Yeah, yeah. basically. <laughs> Wake up, you don't quite feel right. Oh, shit. Like, I would like to, I would genuinely like to know, like, even just Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. What's the most test that a single person has gotten? Oh, oh well, I <laughs> now that prob- you can I get free find ones, that, free I could w- find that out, but it'd be a HIPAA violation for oh. her to give me a name. But I bet I could. So my wife is one of the COVID testers at the public. Oh, health lab. gotcha. She might be able to even to figure that out. I'd ask her it's that. Like, all right, Just Ralph, give, don't give me the name. Let's not violate anybody's rights here. Just give us a number. Who's been tested forty freaking times? <laughs> I, I got tested five times. Yeah. Oh man, because I got tested before I went da- or on my way down there and then when everyone else was coming back positive i figured well i probably got it too so i got tested and negative hmm. like yeah that can't be right yeah. i got tested again negative like so how can that be i think i think i got tested two more times uh, negative yeah yeah so apparently apparently i can't get it or i've already had it yeah but judging by the, you know, the JT and Pete didn't have any symptoms, it seems like there's probably a lot of folks that have already had it and didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like. So seem- that being said, I'm not a healthcare provider. And I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not qualified to, to provide a recommendation. You are not a doctor, nor do you play one on TV or no. a podcast. Right? Uh-uh. It's been a long time since I've stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Freaking. Uh. What the heck else? Um, seemed like there was something else I was going to ask you. Oh, you've been flying, flying quite a bit lately during their few daylight hours. <laughs> Not as much as I'd like to be. It's been well. I was. I've been powering through my private pilot. Yeah, add on to my license because I'm a rotary wing guy. I haven't flown helicopters in forever, but I wanted to, you know, fly airplanes, and so I was most of the way done or almost finished and ready for a check ride and my brother got killed in the car wreck my oh. head wasn't really in the game yeah so i i decided to take some time off then i went sheep hunting and uh got back into it after hunting season was uh was wrapped up um and then got uh, you know where i was feeling real good in the airplane again yeah and then it took off to go to petersburg oh, petersburg so turned into a month and i got back and then it's like shit weather no daylight. I'm like, yeah, I'll just deal with this when I get back from Hawaii. Nice. So, so did uh, did you after you got out of the army? Did you maintain any like your uh, rotary wing type license or anything so, like that? So I still have my license. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just didn't have a current medical for uh, what six or seven years. I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. So if I wanted to fly a helicopter, I would need to go get a get a medical for whatever kind of work I was going to be doing. Gotcha. And then, um, and then get checked out in whatever airframe I was going to fly. But because I already have a commercial rotary wing license, I can technically fly anything under 12 and a half thousand pounds. Oh, nice. But nobody should trust me with their helicopter right now. Cause I haven't <laughs> flown one in the better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, which that was another thing I was going to ask you, like, how does that, how do you feel that compares? I, I envisioned flying a helicopter to be very complicated, like not a little bit more than just ease off the clutch, put her in gear and ease off the clutch. They, they train monkeys to be pilots, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
they have that. I think they've even sent monkeys to space, right? <laughs> so this is um, the, probably the best way that I could explain it is, you know how to ride a motorcycle, oh, yeah. right? You probably ride the shit out of a motorcycle, right? When I was a kid. When you are a kid, yeah. You can also drive a truck, right? Yeah. You got to follow the same rules on the road, but controlling the machine totally different. is totally yeah. different. So some of the information correlates, yeah. and some of the information and the technique is completely different. Yeah, that makes sense. But with you know with helicopters, anyways, you're doing something different with each hand and each foot, and kind of like with um, um, still there. Oh, bring her out just a little bit. There we go. So we don't have to listen to JT breathe. <laughs> the mouth breathing over there. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, was fall, I, was, I was falling asleep listening to a story about trucks and, and yeah and it's not that ex- but that's i think the best way that i can explain it and oh, a helicopter yeah, no that makes there's sense a, there's a lot of stuff going on with helicopters then there's a lot of stuff going on with airplanes too just totally different type of stuff going there's on. yeah there's some different physics and aerodynamics going on and they're both totally awesome in their own right yeah some are you know better for one thing and not, yeah Others are better for other things. Mm-hmm. So, slingloading a moose that would be pretty freaking cool, though. Yeah, that would be way cool. I always thought about that when flying <laughs> up here. I was like, boy, this would be the way to hunt moose. <laughs> I think that's how the Russians. That's how the Russians do it. Oh, yeah. The Russians do New a Zealand. lot of stuff, sketchy stuff with helicopters. Yeah, you know? seen them on those stag hunts in New Zealand. They're doing that. They bring a helicopter and slingload that thing right out of there for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you've probably seen that. It looks like it's from the '80s or early '90s, but like one of them you think you're you think you your your tough to deals videos or it looks like it's in new zealand i don't know if it is but guy basically standing on the skid and they come swooping in and he jumps off and tackles a stag oh it's gotta be wrangles you know tackles a stag down to the ground <laughs> i don't know what they're doing but there's some yeah uh, the, bigger balls than i've got yeah tell me about it or less brains you yeah. know there's uh there's some pretty amazing helicopter pilots down there that are doing some next level stuff with uh venison reclamation i mean they're they're flying around in the forest and in the canyons and then the, the gunners shooting red stags in the head with buckshot jeez and then they're slinging them out for, and they're it's all for meat market. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't been down there, but I had some friends that have gone down there and just said that it's fairly overpopulated with deer because there's no natural predators besides yeah. humans. Yeah. And I've even seen I've seen videos of those guys in I think it's Australia. They use them small choppers to uh, to herd cattle. Too. like guys do i've seen videos of guys doing wild stuff that i'm like no way would i want to be strapped into that machine i yeah there's a lot of people that disagree with me on this but i think it'd be pretty righteous if we could use use helicopters for transport up here it's, it would be cool it would be it cool. would be cool i, I, I don't mean, like i don't yeah and I, I don't know if i would ever like if i would be able to get on board with like saying like yeah i wish uh, you know I think we should be able to, but it would be, for my own personal edification, it would be cool. It would be cool. Like, there's a lot of spots where it's like, oh, man, if I could just get dropped off here. But, you know, that's also, could be could be construed as a slippery slope to yeah, a lot of country. I'd have to see the, the proposal written up of how they're going to control that before I could get behind it. 
Yeah. It wouldn't be a hard no. It'd be I'm skeptical. <laughs> Instead of next day, maybe maybe two days or thirty six hours or so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like as devil's areas. advocate to it, it would be like. I mean, uh, to play the total emotional against like how like just so much country. Yeah. Would be anybody can get there. Yeah. Type of deal now, which you know, I mean, that's not like the last thing from a scientific type. Yeah, we we're talking earlier about all the bullshit about Anwar that's out there. You know, it's like so many emotion-driven decisions. But like, yeah, like what you know, if it was to ever be considered, you'd obviously have to be like, what impact would it potentially have on sheep? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, they they're doing it in the is it the Northwest Territories? Yeah, they are. Are um, they doing it in the Yukon? I don't know about the Yukon, but um, I could probably find I could find out. But uh, and I'm sure like people that are listening in the Yukon would smarter, email smarter and, people than us know. Smarter people than us know that's for sure. But uh, yeah, but I think the 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 they do do it in Northwest Territories. But the level at which it's done and like just the density of people hunting is pretty minimal like especially compared to the amount of country they have like they got so much country that's just totally locked up and i don't know the ins and outs you know i've heard over the years like that a lot of the like private you know private pilot you know private plane owners is tanked you know through regulation whatever i i don't know i'm just talking out my ass of just stuff i've heard over the years but i think what it boils down to is that there's just way less pressure in a oh, lot of those okay. places in canada than there. i mean it's just exponentially more around alaska it would just be so it would just turn into even more of a shit show i think um which you know like i say even more of a shit show there's a lot of country up here that like takes some serious effort to get to mm -hmm. and you can get to and have a great hunt and not deal with other people or very many other people at all um and that could be a issue if you opened up helicopters yeah the idea is cool though i, I totally yeah. get i totally I, i'm biased because i like flying them and burning jet fuel yeah you do helicopters are cool and i got broke legs and need a hip replacement so <laughs> i'm not that's why i say i'm not a hard no on this I'm idea <laughs> i'm skeptical but There's i'm not a hard to no. negotiate <laughs> yeah like i'm just gonna leave the leave that out there yeah no i mean i don't I don't know, at this point, I don't see it ever, ever like, being okay to be <laughs> moved in that direction yeah. in Alaska. I, I can't imagine we're going to see it in our lifetimes. I, I don't, the direction. No. That, I don't at all. Like, I mean, it, and it's not even like that I'm like, oh, man, I wish we could. I, like, yeah. I just don't. I like, the, with the, sit. yeah. We, we with got the a pretty good setup. We do have a pretty good setup. Yeah. And I don't, you know, there's, uh, obviously it's not perfect, but. Yeah there's uh we we have it pretty good you also you don't you don't have to get everywhere it's good that people can't get everywhere yeah yeah it's good that places are hard to get to yep no that's the truth you know if you were dealing with yeah i mean if you were dealing with not very hardly anybody hunting you know i mean some of those outfitters in canada i think you know like they'll they may be like oh well we don't hunt this entire like set of drainages yeah, you know, we may hunt them every other year. I I don't know. I'm just oh, yeah. talking, just mm -hmm. blabbing. But you know, a situation like that where it's like, all right, most you know, we're not really even putting a dent or anything yeah. like this. 
you know, I could see why they why they allowed over I, there. You know, I think we'd get a lot of pushback with from within our own sheep hunting community. Oh yeah, and I, I would mean, probably be like, I mean, yeah, if you were to like put it in front of me, I'd say no, yeah. no freaking you, way. You got you got a great spot that I know you hunt. I don't know where your spot is, of course, but I know no, you better not. I'd, <laughs> if I if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> um, but I mean, you work you work your tail off to get in. Yeah, I could take then, you there with a the helicopter. We'll talk. We'll talk later on the way home. Uh, but that's that's the idea. Is part of what makes that spot so great for you is it's a pain in the ass. Yep. Unless somebody knew about it, nobody's going to go through the effort to get in there just to look at. It, yeah. Just and to that's see, is this and that's a, a lot. And that goes for a lot of like good hunting spots. Up here, like yeah. some great moose hunting spot. Like uh-huh. you know, you could fly. You'd buzz around in a helicopter. And just, you know, I mean, certain sort of super cub, whatever, you may freaking see spots where there's just gobs of bulls yeah. yarded up, you know, in the rut and all this. But, but, you just but can't do anything about the it. amount of effort it would take to get there, you know, you can't, you maybe you can't land a plane anywhere near there, or, you know, maybe you could like get an Argo or something there. Just mm-hmm. like a lot of, the, a lot of this country, days a lot of this it. country is just, or, or just basically effectively impossible, yeah. you know. I mean, nothing's impossible, but like how much. How many days are you going to put into getting somewhere? Mm-hmm. Or is the meat going to sour before you yeah, get exactly. it out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, because that's the other, the other getting yeah. there is only half the battle. Yeah. That's the easy part. In, yeah. In some cases, you got to look at it and go, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah. I mean, sheep hunting is supposed to be hard. If sheep hunting was easy, it wouldn't be nearly as rewarding as it is. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. No, I could agree with that. That's why I'll never kill a big one. <laughs> Brett last walks in here. When are you going to kill a big one? Yeah, probably never. <laughs> I think most of them are bigger than anything I've ever shot to. I just like talking shit. Oh, that's that's totally fine. I like it too. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, when you're kind of, when you're when you're the type of guy that's like, oh, good enough, boom, good enough. Take take the opportunities given, right? The opportunities given sometimes, yeah. I've never seen a legal ram that wasn't a trophy ram. I was, <laughs> I I got a nice one in 18, and and so 19 I was being real selective, and we passed on a few, and, and now I think I jinxed myself because totally struck out this year. Yeah, just, uh, it's... And now I'm, now I'm, I just need to get back on the board. Yeah. Well, I understand that. So I just like going. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like getting them, but I just like going. I just want to be on a successful hunt. All right. Pull the trigger. I just want to go. Yeah. So we got, did I tell you that story about JT's make a wish Ram? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, JT's been in, speaking of helicopters, he's been a couple of helicopter crashes during his time in the military. Yeah. His, Two plus hard de- landings. They were two, yeah. pl- two plus decades. Landings. And he's got, I think he, didn't you break your back? Broke my back in one, yeah. You trashed your leg. Trash, well, I've trashed both my legs now. You've always been ugly. <laughs> then, I got, then I got told a couple months ago that I'm 45 years old and ready for my hip replacement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, body's, body's a little beat up at this point. So he was pretty wrecked, but he had been, you see, you had hunted rams up in the Brooks oh, Range with John. Years yep. ago, and was in you were within bow range the, of a couple legal the ones. The very first time I ever went sheep hunting in my life, and this was 20 years ago now. John took me up there. John was one of my mentors in the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're bow hunting in the corridor, and 
go out, you know, we walk in the day before the opener. We set up camp on the morning of the opener. There's four rams coming along the hillside. Two look pretty good. I mean, it just everything set up so perfectly. This is, a, this is literally the first day of my sheep hunting career. <laughs> I scramble up the mountain. I come down in the rocks, and two legal rams walked underneath me 15 yards away. That's and bad for you. I, I couldn't pull my bow. Oh. And, and not that I physically couldn't do it. I just froze. I yeah. wasn't 100% convinced that they were legal. They, In hindsight, is like, oh, yeah, they were both legal. John hadn't gotten a ram, but he'd sheep hunted quite a bit. And he was losing his freaking mind watching through a spot and scope. Because, you know, you're watching a mile away in a spot and scope or half a mile away in a spot and scope. These rams are 15 yards away. To him, they look like they're stepping on. Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like just waiting for me to shoot. What's going on? And then I let these rams move on by me. Never got real excited about it at that point. Come down the mountain, John's just, lo- just what happened? What happened? I'm like, yeah, I, just, I, I don't know. I'm not sure they were legal. Are you freaking kidding me? They were both legal. What the hell did you just do? And I'm like, eh, there'll be plenty of opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's bad for... It, it took 18 years for me to get my first ram after yeah. that. Oh, man. And I had weather... I mean, all the sheep stories, everything that guys have had. You know, I spotted a real nice ram in the Wrangles one year. It was getting a little late. It was getting dark. He wasn't in a good spot, but I could have shot him from where I was standing. Yeah. You know what? We're going to let him be for now. We're going to call it a night. We're find a place to pitch a tent. We're going to get on this ram first thing in the morning. We're going to get that ram. Fog rolled in. We sat in the freaking fog for four days and then crawled down out of the mountains with our tail between our legs, you know? Yeah. I mean, how many guys have had that experience? That was my sheep hunting career for 18 years where something had to go wrong. Snow, every wind, time, whatever. And then Brett like, helped me get that one a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was Brian and I hiked in the day before it opened and found one and then linked up with you guys on the opener yep um but we just found one watched him and then he kind of wandered off and disappeared like yeah we'll find him again he walked around one side of the mountain and then all day of the opener lambs and ewes just lambs and ewes nothing yep um and then uh what the hell happened well, we had the weather Hurricane was starting to Chan turn. Chan or Typhoon Chan Chan Typhoon, coming in. Yeah, Typhoon Chan Chan was so working its way across the Alaska Range, yeah. and weather was deteriorating. We were watching weather, and we we're like, "God, oh, this is this is not this is not gonna be good. We need to get the hell off this mountain." Then all of a sudden, some rams showed up, and we. It was Ramageddon. Yeah. Was, was that it. was this last? This was 2018. Yeah. yeah. So this we was, snuck down there. He shot his, and then a bunch of rams came running across uh, this big talus slope above us, and I shot mine, laying next to JT's. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get him to use my horns as a rest, rest. but he had a bipod <laughs> yeah. on the rifle he insisted on. Yeah, and then it was kind of one of those, oh, shit, what did we do moments, because <laughs> yeah. weather's deteriorating, it's, the wind's picking up, it's starting to rain, we got two dead sheep, and we got a long ways to go. <laughs> and it was... Long ways to go, just... In general, or from where you were camping? Just to get to a safe place. Oh, to get to a safe yeah. place yeah. to camp. Just to get back to the spruce trees type yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. And I, like I always say, if we can get to the spruce trees, I can keep us alive. Yeah. We had a long ways to go <laughs> to find some spruce trees. Yeah. And it was, it realistically, it should have been a two-day walk, but we turned it into the, <laughs> the never-ending day. Yeah. 
JT started speaking in tongues. I think he was yep. he was, was pretty much used up. Yep. We had to, we had to bivouac on the side of the hill, and you know, for a couple hours in the darkness. Then we walked the rest of the way out. I know I fell asleep while walking on more than one occasion on the way out of there. Yeah, boy, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I've ever fell asleep while walking. I've definitely fell asleep sitting on, uh, s- like sitting on a cut bank taking a break. You know, yeah. like all of a sudden, like catch yourself dreaming. You know, mm-hmm. oh, shit, here I yeah. am. You know, yeah. still got got a ways to go uh, to get back to the yeah. tent. And we were all checking on each other, making sure we were doing okay, and we we're yeah. we we're doing fine. But I remember Brian I, saying he's, he said. Yeah, this really sucks. This is like ranger school. I never <laughs> wanted to go back and do that shit again. <laughs> I was oh, not in the shape I should have been. Um, yeah. You know, the injuries were piled up on me because my physical condition wasn't where it ought to be as yeah. far as endurance. And so, you know, things that should only be annoying me were killing me. Um, and I paid the price for it that uh, Everything just ends up getting yeah. amplified oh, when yeah. you get that wore down and yeah. broke down yeah all of a sudden every step was pain screaming right through my legs up into my back and yeah my attitude went straight to hell that's and tough it is does uh, yeah. so for the other hunters that are listening to this if your hunting partner starts speaking in tongues or in gibberish <laughs> and isn't making sense and turns into a real pissy bitch <laughs> Give him some Gatorade and a Snickers because yeah. you're turning into a straight diva that day. Uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> like this ungrateful I, son of a bitch. I walk in, I find a ram for him, I put him on, and I carry the damn thing off the mountainside, and he's arguing with me. Yeah, I, I don't oh deny it. man, you know when you're that worn out, and yeah. like I said, you know my my attitude went straight to shit. I was not enjoying myself. I wasn't enjoying the moment anymore. Here, I just shot my first ram. But something I had been chasing for 18 years. And five hours later, I wanted nothing to do with that sheep. I wanted nothing to do with the mountain. I just wanted to crawl in a hole and die. But we couldn't stop because the weather was going to smash our tents flat. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, that's, that's something that don't go away. Yep. It seems like it, like, but being aware of like when swings like that, like is that shit happens to everybody. Like you just mm-hmm. get beat down and it's i mean it's something like a good hunting partner like recognizes it and you you kind of keep each other's like spirits up or try to like being able to recognize that and your hunting partner is a big you see that big personality a big deal yeah this isn't who this person is he's not himself right now that's a sign yeah Yeah. it's like that snickers commercial where the person turns into a diva yep oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. well i redeemed myself the following season What'd you do? John. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you did. So, John, like I said, he was one of my mentors in the Army. He, you know, I, he raised me as a soldier. He retired a few years ahead of me, of course. And then his son, John had lived up here in Fairbanks for 20-plus years. Had never gotten a ram. Sheep hunted every year, never got his ram. Just always that hard luck hunter. Well, he finally moves his family back to Wisconsin. Dream of getting a ram is over and so on. And then his son, as an Army Ranger, gets stationed in Anchorage. So, hey come back up here let's do one more sheep hunt together you know you were the first guy to take me sheep hunting now i'm taking you sheep hunting so he came back up and his boy and i uh we went in there and john was always in great shape when we were in the army i mean this dude was a stud but right after he retired he had a tumor uh, right behind one of his eyes 
he beat that, but it, his physical condition hadn't recovered. Mm-hmm. You know, his son is worried about him before the trip. He, oh, you know, I don't know if the old man's up for this. I know this is going to be hard. I'm like, dude, you are way underselling your dad. You don't know your dad like I do. Your dad is got tough old as a man friend. strength. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We were we hadn't gone a quarter mile from the truck when John was puking on the trail, oh. <laughs> and I'm looking at his son, going, "Oh shit, what are we in for?" We went in, and this was the classic sheep hunt. Thing. We got into where we wanted to be, and then we had beautiful weather on the walk-in. And then as soon as we kind of get settled in and start looking around, it just went to crap. And we hung some tarps off the cliff and gave ourselves a dry place to at least sit in glass. And we spent four days under that freaking tarp. <laughs> it went from rain to sleet to snow to sleet to rain and back and forth and back and forth for four days. And we kept saying to each other, as long as the wind stays down, and we can still see we're hunting. We mm-hmm. may not be moving around. We may not, may not be covering ground, but we're freaking hunting. There's sheep here. Yep. And so we walked in on Monday. Friday, the weather's kind of breaking up. It's not great, but it's breaking up a little bit. And Matt crawled up to the to the top where he could see, and there's the freaking rams. There's seven rams bedded down right around the corner from where we couldn't see and where we've been sitting. Mm-hmm. And we put an awesome stock on these things matt and i slipped into army mode i went high i'm walking the spine of the of the mountain matt is is bounding from one spur to the next and we're doing we're doing infantry small unit tactics on these rams we walked john into within 150 yards of those rams oh nice and he then we can continue to have an argument over whether it was a legal ram and that went on for several minutes i don't think i I got a soro 60 power soro on a ram at 60 yards I've counted rings. I've looked him over. He's a legal ram. John, shoot the ram. I don't know. I don't know. I start, you know what? This is why you didn't get a ram for 20 years. You don't even know what a legal ram, you don't even know what a legal ram looks like. He's getting mad. It was Matt that finally pulled it out. Matt, Matt looks at him and says, Dad, Dad, I trust JT. If you don't feel good with it, get out of the way and I'll shoot it. At which point, of course, John is, shut the hell up. <laughs> I'll shoot this ram. John smokes it, and that ram proceeds to fall from the top of the mountain all the way down to the river. Oh. He fell probably 100 feet, smashed into the rocks underneath him, and then tumbled all the way down. And, of course, and, jo- and John is cheering it on. Yeah, yeah. And Matt and I know we're the ones carrying it out. We're just yeah. like, stop rolling. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, especially if it's one you got to bring back. Yeah, yeah. off the wrong exactly. side off of the, the mountain. Off the wrong side. Uh, yeah. And, of course, uh, part of that story, too, is when, when we spotted the Rams, it's middle of the day. We made the, the risky call of... We're going to go as light and empty as possible. We're not packing camp. We're not doing anything. We're going to put a quick stock on these rams. If it doesn't work, we're turning around. We're coming right back here. This is, there's no game to be played here. And that's risky. You know, usually you don't want to go wandering a mile away from camp that way without all your gear. So we dump our stuff and Matt and I take off. And then John catches up with us. Oh, we'd gone half a mile maybe. And we're stripping clothes at this point because we're sweating. And we look over and John doesn't even have his pack with him. Pooh. He left his pack up on top of the mountain. <laughs> oh, man. And so Matt and I are going. Rule number whatever. He, <laughs> don't, don't he had nothing. <laughs> we're just kind of like, what? The? So this is why I say Matt and I know we're the ones packing this sheep out. And he's cheering it on as it's Could have been calculated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, the old man got us. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it was, it, that was a 36 inch Ram. He was, he was eight years old. He was a beautiful Ram, real wide. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, and of course I had to mess with John, you know. He tumbles down the mountain, then we're all high-fiving and hugging on the side of the mountain. And then I'm like, man, I sure hope he's legal. 
after that whole argument, you should. Oh, he thought, he Wait, wanted what? to punch me right in the face. Oh, <laughs> that, that's man. the best thing to do to somebody who shoots their first one. You're like, yeah, yeah I hope I, I was hope. right. Because <laughs> you, you know, because you know, they're already thinking. I almost oh, yeah. already. Well, I told. Well, I'll joke back and forth with Frank. I mean, this year, even after, like, even though I knew that, you know, shoot this one up. I hope he's like. <laughs> I hope he's the same. We're gonna find out. Yeah. No, but you know, of course, they always have been for me. But uh, yeah. yeah, you can't you say you can't be too careful. But also, like you know, when yeah. you're looking at one, you I don't know how to put it. You can't. You can be too careful, yeah. I guess. But also, you gotta be care. You gotta be careful, but you can be. Like there are some folks that are like end up mm-hmm. being a little too gun shy, maybe. Yeah, you can be so careful that you're never interpret that away. however you may want, and, yeah. be, and mm-hmm. you're, you're responsible for right. the for your the sheep you shoot. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's yeah, there's I don't know, just sheep. That's one thing yeah. that's interesting about sheep is like everyone's a little different, and depending mm-hmm. on the you know how you're looking at them, yeah. a, a one that you may be able to hold in your hand and be like, oh yeah, hundred percent instantly. Mm-hmm. Because all the ones, you know, that I've, you know, looked over, looked at, you spent hours looking them over. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yep, all right, yeah, he's good. And you shoot him and you start freaking out. You're like, oh, well, Ever since Fishing Game published that um, field judging and sealing That's manual, helped a lot. And, and that was their internal manual for years, apparently. Interesting. They had that information for years. That's what they used, but they didn't publish it. They didn't give it to the public. Yeah, and so once they gave it to the public, we were like, "Oh, hey, this is way better than that shitty description in the oh, general in the, information in the regs." The yeah, regs. that like has the picture of the mm-hmm. ram that I've maybe seen like one or two rams that grow like that. Perfect in my yeah. entire yeah. life. Yeah. So, and I was talking to the the biologist and the guys at the in the ceiling building. They said, "Yeah, ever since we published this." The short loss or the sublegal take has gone way, way down. They said typically it used to be around ten percent. Yeah. They said now it's down around two percent. No, that's so awesome. Yeah. It's. I think that's a big win for for the resource and for the hunters. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, especially what because there's probably eight hundred sheep a year get killed in the state, and if you know ten percent of those, if it's a hundred sheep or seven or younger, and sub full curl before you know, I mean that's mm-hmm. a you know, not a not a gigantic chunk number of sheep, but it's significant. Well, if, if you think about it, over the lifetime of a ram to get them legal, you, yeah, you're essentially losing an entire year class every year. Yeah, because I mean, if you're losing ten percent, eighty, you know, ten percent of your rams, and the average life of a ram is only about ten years, yeah, you're wiping out a generation just like that. Yeah, if ten, I would I would be interested to see what they think. Like really. The average lifespan is, because I mean it's not it's not uncommon. I mean, I killed a few ten year olds. It's not un- mm-hmm. it's not necessarily super uncommon. No, but it's like I think a lot of them die between like seven and nine. Yeah, the oldest one that I've put my hands on was a thirteen and a half year old that came out of the Delta controlled yep. use area. Yeah, yep. I mean, I think I have I have one twelve. The one Frank killed last year was twelve, mm-hmm. but that's the oldest ones I've personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. seen you know you get some third you get a, a few 13s i think i don't know i've heard of someone killing a 15 year old but i like right. once you get past once you get past eight or like even past nine years old they're living on borrowed time yeah, yeah. Yep. that one that we got that 13 and a half year old he was missing his the 
uh, his front teeth. Oh yeah, on his bottom jaw. Yeah, and he was uh, real thin in the hips. Oh yeah. So I figured he was probably wasn't going to make it through the winter. No, that's not a but, good sign. Well, we figured that he was a legal ram that we should shoot him, and then once we looked him over yeah. real good, we felt real good about our decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ancient warrior. Yeah, right? yeah. He was. He was just. I don't know. He's thirty-eight inches. I think thirteen and a half inch bases, and then his tips were just kind of just worn smooth. Yeah. Didn't have his lamb tips, but they were worn smooth and just really just ancient, cool nice. looking old ram. Nice. Check, but check, check. Check, yeah. Back Coming at you the, live the, back from, from the, the casting ur- couch. Urination station. <laughs> in the Frielger hutch. Yeah. In the Friel skin and shed. The skin and you shed. You do edit this before you, <laughs> you post it. I probably won't pull that out, but the, uh, yeah, the, the, the studio slash apparel processing center slash whatever. I like you got the garbage can full of, air, of random arrows. <laughs> just like yeah, I've got well, in my it's, it's my arrow. It's my arrow can. Yeah, I got one just like it. It's got it's got three of this kind, four of that kind, yeah. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. I'm almost needing to to get another bucket. <laughs> they no, they no. turn into great grouse arrows when they get to that point. Yeah, well, I got I got two soon to be three kids coming yeah. up, so all the arrows will. You know what you're having. lost. You know what you're having on the next bat? Or boy. The next, another yeah. boy. Three yeah. boys. Two boys. Two boys. Two boys got a girl in the middle. So. Oh, man. You're going to, I know a good doctor. You, when, you ready to schedule your vasectomy? Well, I've been hearing <laughs> the commercials on Fairbanks Urology about like now it's supposedly fairly pain free. You oh. got a different. We, we, we can get, oh, just go, get Dr. Go Pete see, come Go see it. my buddy Typhoon <laughs> Pete. He'll do yeah. it in oh. here. He'll, he'll pull yeah. out a clean Havilon blade for you and do it on your well, kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just tape your dick to your chest. You'll start carving on your scrotum. Cauterize all your plumbing. You'll be good to go sounds, in a couple of days. That sounds terribly appealing. That's what happened when to me. you put it like that. I was. I, he did mine a year and a half ago. I was laying there on the table, telling hunting stories and laughing as there's smoke coming out of my sack. But he did a great job. He did a great job. He did a great job. Uh, it's worked so far, huh? It's worked so far. Yeah, I haven't had any kids since. Nice. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Anyway, so my arrows will, yeah, they'll they'll be distributed through the woods. Yeah, it's here a good before way, before good, too long. Good way to learn. Uh, yeah. No, my son, he uh, he just uh, oh, Tony gave me this little bow that was kind of his kid outgrew his little compound. And my son, I did mm-hmm. this little tiny long bow. He's outgrown it, and he's seen that one that Tony gave me hanging on the wall the other day. He said. Can I try that bow? You know, and oh man, he's hooked now. The draw length's a little long for him, but he can. And he's, yeah, but he can get it back and teach him. You know what a compound feels yeah. like. You break yeah. over, and he's been plugging his dinosaur target there nonstop. And good shooting fingers or, or shooting fingers. Yeah. yeah, that'll help with his long draw length. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just. It's uh, good to learn it. I uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings about him shooting a compound, but whatever. He's good. <laughs> How old's Jed? Five. Just turned five. Okay, yeah, so, Derek just turned six in September, and he's got a compound bow for him this spring. And nice. He's, he thinks that's, like, the coolest thing ever. Oh, I could tell Jed. He thinks this one's pretty pretty damn cool. I was out I was at, this afternoon. It was, like, 15 degrees. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go out and shoot a few arrows. He saw me out there. Of course, he had to go out there and shoot, too. And Yeah, he's... Uh, just like Dad. Just like Dad, yeah. Well, he tells me, Dad, your shooting's pretty behind mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong, son. 
Yeah, but I asked him, I was like, how do you like that bow? He said, oh, it's got got a good weight, good pull, good sear. <laughs> Kid cracks me up. Man. That's right. funny. I actually, I recorded a podcast with him. It was about 10 minutes long or whatever. He was all about, I want to do a podcast. Like, cool. Yeah, I shot this moose one time. <laughs> nice. So he's 10? Five. Oh, he's five. Yeah, oh, just turned five, yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. No, it's fun, but... It, it's cool to see... Uh, I'll do a podcast with the kids, bring Eric in here, too, and let the kids sit and tell all their hunting and fishing stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah It'd probably be your highest-rated podcast you ever do, too. It might be. It's not too difficult to improve on what I got going. Yeah, well... But, uh... Yeah, no, kids are fun. Yeah, that, that's that's how I know when you're uh, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for the content. Because I get a message from you, he says, hey, Brett, how you doing? You ready to come on the show? Yeah, yeah. must be rough for old Tyler. Must be rough. Oh. <laughs> Running out of shit. To talk I need about. you. I need you to carry. Need you to carry this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just turn you loose. I'll be down at the bar at the bottom of the street. <laughs> Yeah, can you can you believe you get paid to do this now? You're a professional bullshitter. Yeah, professional bullshitter. It's Man. something about that. Not to be. Don't don't worry though. I won't let it go to my head. I'm still fully <laughs> reminded every day just how how human I yeah, am. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't from I your wife. Well, that's her job. That's <laughs> that's her job in life. But just normal. It's funny because like we hear you know hear stories every once in a while people or you know it's, it's like i genuinely like appreciate everyone that listens to it i'm like su- i'm super stoked that people yeah. like like hearing us bullshit and just be ourselves you know we are very very like just like pretty normal people though yeah just, at least i feel like i mean maybe a little bit towards the deranged side <laughs> well, possibly to, i'm not sure temple falls into that category temples but. <laughs> unique yeah <laughs> He's the, one of the most entertaining people I think I've ever talked to on the telephone. Oh, he was, is, man. He's. I was trying to buy an outboard from or outboard from him, and he was trying like hell to talk me out of buying the outboard. He said, oh no, that won't work for that boat. You don't want one of those. I said, Yeah, I, I really do. I just sell me the motor temple. He's like, Ah, you know, I don't think it's going to be a good fit. <laughs> Don't you get paid to sell these? Yeah, yeah, but you know, I want you to have a good motor for. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing about temples. He's just he's genuine too. You know, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. genuine. I've run into him a couple of times on the trap line and out out around, and he's just always the same person. Yeah, you know. So now that's the thing that I like about your podcast is it's it's not a bunch of curated fluff. It's just real folks out doing real things. Yeah. And and the misfortune and tragedies that happen to them along the way. Yeah. Like, like, like like the whole crew getting COVID. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, you know, like geez. the best stories are always like. Did anyone shit their pants on that trip? Oh, man. We should have made that happen. <laughs> you don't have to go out of your way. <laughs> the, that, the, uh, we, were well, we were fairly well behaved. We didn't drink. We didn't drink too much. I mean, we all had a, a nightcap or two every night, but. I was almost surprised, even after we got into quarantine. You know, none tame. of us started drinking before noon. Not often. <laughs> Not often. I don't count a little whiskey in my coffee in the morning as drinking. Fair <laughs> so, um, Pat did have to ice his abs for three days, though. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was the interesting part. He's a smoke, Pat's a smoke jumper, oh. and he's like the youngest and by far the fittest dude on the trip, and he was had yeah. the hardest time with it. Interesting yeah. with the coat. Yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of, like, just there's sometimes not really much rhyme or reason to, yeah. I guess, when you get to, like, genetically modified engineered diseases. Perhaps. 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 You know? yeah. I don't know. Jury's don't know. out. The jury's out, but. I think yeah. The the biggest theme to it is just everybody admitting we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, because there you can't look at our group and our experience and attach any pattern. Meaning, yeah. Any. None of us walked out of there knowing any more about COVID than we did before we 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 walked in. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know? knew, you knew you got it. And, and we got knew we got it. it, and we and I survived it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're saying you got to go, you're going muskox hunting. Next month with my wife. Uh, we, uh, I got a muskox a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, drew that DX003 Nunavac tag. Went over, got one with my bow. Uh, just great experience. The hunt itself is somewhat anticlimactic. Um, yeah. But the experience of going over to Nunavac, hanging out with the Eskimos, uh, the Chupik Eskimos over there for a few days, it was just really cool. Well, it's a freaking cool, yeah, it's the logistics and the experience of a muskox hunt is it's different it's like it's yeah awful. if you're looking for some like wild like crazy not to say that it's always like just a gimme but they're they're not the yeah. most difficult animal in the world to hunt no no i was kind of surprised i went over there with a bow and i thought I, it was going to be pretty challenging and i we I found the oldest gnarliest bull you ever saw in your life he was all by himself <laughs> and i walked up to 25 yards from him and put an arrow through his heart and then the real work began again because <laughs> that was the hardest animal I've ever cut up. Interesting. It was no joke. Um, well, anyway, so my wife, she thought, man, that's cool. I'd like to do that. All right. Well, of course, if I'm going to put her in for the tag, I might as well party it because I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if she draws it and what do you freaking know? We drew it again. <laughs> nice. And uh, the once in a lifetime hunt turned into a twice in three years hunt. <laughs> and, uh, so we're going to go over next week, or next month, 14th of January, we head over there, and uh, yeah, uh, this time I'm going to try to do it with a handgun, because why not? <laughs> yeah, man. You no, know? have you uh, have you heard any news as far as like locally COVID-type There's stuff? There's some pretty strict restrictions going. Uh, you got to have a negative test to get out of Bethel. Which shouldn't be an issue not, since you've had not it Not going to be an issue for me. Hopefully the wife doesn't test positive. Um, And then when you get to McCorriac, where before I just did a transporter, I didn't do Mm -hmm. guided. Yeah, I stayed right at the transporter's house. Transporters become a friend of mine. Yeah, Um, yeah, he's he's a fantastic guy. The family's fantastic. Um, And but now they're not allowing it. The village will not allow an outsider to come in and stay at their house. We have to stay mm-hmm. separate. Even with a negative test, basically, we'll be in quarantine while we're there, too. They've got a separate place they're going to put us. We'll have our own private quarters, but we'll go out and we'll stay there. And then the big challenge with the muskox over there is the weather. Of course, yeah. you know, it's a it's a freaking barren island in the middle of the ocean. Yep. <laughs> you know, there isn't a bush that's more than waist high on the entire thing. So when the wind comes up... Even if it's not snowing, if the wind comes up, you're in whiteout condition, mm-hmm. and it's just not safe to go. Yeah, uh, we got pretty lucky when I went before. We had good weather first day; it was beautiful. We went out, we did the hunt, and it's basically a one day hunt. I yeah, mean, it's not technically a difficult thing to do. Uh, 
assuming we have good weather, we'll we'll run out, we'll get our muskox, and and come on back. Heck yeah. Yeah, and then jump on a plane and go to Mexico to thaw out. <laughs> so be nice, like your yeah that term boy your boycott in January. Yeah, yeah, it's a good program. <laughs> boycott January. January is a cold, dark month in this place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a southeast boy. I like I'm I'm pretty tough, but I'm not tough enough to stay up here all winter. I need to go get some sunlight. Otherwise I don't know. I, tr- I get cranky. Yeah, that's I don't know this. I used yeah, to I get a little cranky, but I, as long as I'm getting out and doing stuff, it yeah. doesn't bother me. I'd rather have the cold than just rain all the time. Yeah. But when you grow up soaking wet all day, all, all every day, a little different it, story, yeah, maybe. Yeah, huh? what you're used to. Yeah. I know I don't enjoy the winters near as much as I did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I'd shoot 20 below. I'd go out, snap, strap on the snowshoes and go ptarmigan hunting. Yeah. Now it's... 10 below and i stand in my kitchen window with a cup of coffee in my hand going fucking cold out there i'm not really up for doing much <laughs> you know i'm i guess i've gotten soft as i've gotten older but there's a couple of helicopter crashes that was a couple yeah. of helicopter crashes ago <laughs> but yeah. yeah now do you guys uh do your get your donations in your oh, fishing for, game oh, draw yes. donations oh, yeah. of course yeah you put anything wait for alaskan man christmas in february yeah i'm excited for that you yeah. put in for I, get, uh, I usually get screwed so <laughs> anything exciting anything you take a chance on anything you're i put in for l i put in for an elk tag this year raspberry or a fognac fognac okay so we'll see that's september one you put um, in for raspberry right i haven't yeah i normally don't put in for i, I put in for I normally don't put in for elk, and I did this year. I put like half for Copper River and half for Delta Bison. I'm um, I'm just looking to expand my season because October is kind of you know it's, yeah. you can really get after it in August and September, but October in the interior there's not a lot of options yeah. unless you draw a goat tag. Yeah, yeah, and there's, I'm just looking to expand opportunities. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I don't know what I put, because uh, I think that I think that elk tag is like the end of September or first week of October, something that like that. Sense. That'd be fun. Um, and buy, I mean, maybe someday I'll draw a bison tag. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, put in for a muzzle a couple a couple of muzzleloader boost hunts as kind of a backup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that yep. I got all certified, I got my card yeah. for that now. I want to do that. I was put in for the FMA cow tag as the backup, just in yeah. case the freezer's empty in October. That is a good hunt. Yeah. Uh, I put in for uh, Chugach archery sheep for October. Oh, that one is it that one forty mm. tag, or there's there's there are a couple of them. I think there's a there's one that's all September, and then there's another one that is the first ten days of October. Gotcha. I put in for the first ten days of October. Yeah, glutton for punishment. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just hating it. <laughs> yeah. give, oh, give me the Chugach in October with some Devil's Club and a bunch of rain. Oh, it sounds just right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. I haven't sheep hunted the Chugach. That's not because it's mostly drawing. Well, I think it'll be like goat hunting in Southeast, which is what I grew up doing. So, which is awful. So, I mean, I'm used to awful. Yeah, I can't say anything about sheep hunting the Chugaches. I never have. Goat hunted there, got a nice goat there once. It was awful. It was wasn't awful. It? it's terrible. Yeah. Right. At least the specifics of where of our little adventure. Yeah. In the tent mostly. 
So, I mean, there's, I couldn't think of any other tag that I was really, any other general season rifle tag that I was that excited about. So yeah. I, and where I, I'm planning on, where I'm planning on going is a general season tag anyways. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to put in for a Hail Mary, I may as well put in for something that's going to expand my season. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's, uh. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. The draws are like, ah, he, it, I got to fight getting exci- a little bit excited about it, but at the same time, you know, it's just like, ah, well, these are what I would like to do if maybe, but yeah. that doesn't really, it's just kind of like a bonus. Like if, if, yeah. I, if I draw this, then awesome, I can figure it out, but I'm not planning on it because I, I don't like being disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I got to try to get my father-in-law on Which I think they were going to draw, I think tonight that, SCI, oh. Alaska was going to at six. They were supposed oh, to draw the, that the governor's tag. The there. governor's toke, tag yep. toke sheet package. I bought one ticket for it. Yep. I was figured if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But yeah. they haven't called me, so. <laughs> so I joined that Grand Slam Club Ovis. A while oh yeah, back and yeah, Kevin Kehoe gets drawn every year for something, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say. I mean, they say He's some luckier those, than you are. That's about it. <laughs> that's about it. I don't know. I figure if I'm ever going to do a desert sheep hunt, that's probably the only way I'm going to do it. Is oh, if I man, me too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm never going to have fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000 to just throw away that the wife's going to let me do that. Should have bought Tesla. Should have bought Tesla. <laughs> Should have bought Microsoft. Should have bought Bitcoin. Should have bought Microsoft in 85 when it was 10 cents a piece or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Should have bought Microsoft in 85, yeah. Tesla in 2000. If only yeah. I could get a sports almanac. <laughs> back to the future back, game. Yeah. I could go back in time. I'd have bought Apple in 1978 or whenever you rounded that dang thing. Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> we live in a state. Where you can have a world class season without yeah. on general season tags. Yep. yep. Well, and yep. that's like what yep. I well what I was, you know, my like you hadn't listened to that my well my rant on the last podcast. I'm so going through that one. <laughs> which you know just the attitude like oh you know and I won't get too into like the whole Anwar thing now but just the attitude that like oh if you're for this development or you're for this or that like. Oh, you're just greedy and you don't give a shit about the environment or well, I mean, dude, the for all of us, man, like this place is like we're, living we're, here and working here and whatever we gotta scrape and scratch to do, it's like our only like realistic opportunity to experience the things we do. Like mm-hmm. you can't freaking and that's why a lot of guys like us, you know, and I'm like I'm sure parts of Canada are the same way. Mm-hmm. So, real wild country like it's the reason like guys like us like you can't live anywhere else hardly after all or you'd freaking just long for it even or or like even southeast i'm sure you still miss living in i mean there's just things about it that are incredible you know i miss the ocean and the mountains my my father (laughs) told me something a long time ago when and he'd been stationed up here in the military and when i came up here in 99 um i was a e5 in the army then and my father had told me then that the biggest problem with it was i was still young as i was moving to alaska and i had a whole career ahead of me so i wasn't going to stay he said the problem is after you've lived in alaska for a few years the rest of the world is boring and you're going to be bored everywhere else you go and truest words you ever wanted to hear because as i moved around the rest of the country and the world other than a few times in afghanistan and iraq i was bored 
There were a few times I wasn't bored over there. Yeah. <laughs> but New York had its, there were things I enjoyed about it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Alaska, you know, and all around the country and the world, that's kind of where it came to to me. I had to come back here. Yeah. There was just no way I couldn't. And yeah, that's what, when I was getting out of the army in 2012, I <clears throat> was talking with my old lady about where we were going to end up. She said, hey, where do you want to go? I said, well, I prefer to go to Alaska, but as long as it's like west of the Rocky Mountains in North California, California, I'm open to it. Yeah. But I said, I think we should go back to Alaska. And she's from here. Mm-hmm. I'm from here, so it just makes sense. Yeah. Well, it seems like a lot, you know, because I, I wouldn't, obviously wasn't born here, but went to high school here and, you know, you get out and like, I just remember like, a lot of the kids I they graduated with, you know, everyone like kind of wants to get out and I'll oh, see how great the world is. It ain't that freaking great. It's no. <laughs> at least for a person like me. What's What's hilarious is how many people you see that leave Alaska and they come right back. Yeah, a couple well, of years that's later. yeah, that's the that that's the. Yeah, there's a lot of them just end up end up trickling back. You know, not everybody. It's not for everybody, but I just remember after move. You know, a few years after moving up here. Went back to Colorado where I was, and it's just like, man, you can't freaking do anything down here. Mm-hmm. No. Like, it's just, you know, there, there's some cool stuff about it, obviously, sure. but I just, like, feel just re- just restricted. I, I you feel know, a lot you, about four minutes after I get off a plane in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> and you just you just look around at all these people, and like, why are there so many people in one place? This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's too damn crowded here. Now that's that's my problem with Laura 48. I was stationed in Texas for a while, and I think 99% of the land down there is mm-hmm. private land. Yeah. No. And is, everything's wrapped in barbed wire. You can't. Land access is, is a tremendous challenge. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was it was an ordeal just to get access to a creek to go fly fishing. Jeez. I mean, I'd have to, like, hike underneath a the, an overpass in the road easement to get down to the creek and mm-hmm. then, like, swim the creek or wade the creek to where I could get to a spot to start fishing. Because everything, the rest of the access was all was private all land. Off, and, yeah. um, blocked off with barbed wire. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, uh, after being We're up lucky. here, it's, one, it's like, I, you know, my kid, it's all he, well, my daughter too, but she's a little too little to start really liking the stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I may, it may have been last time I was talking, Frank and I were fishing. I'm like, man, if I would, would have, I was obsessed with fishing when I was a kid, but the fishing mm-hmm. sucks down where I grew up. Just, it's terrible. Yeah. You know, I would have been just losing my shit to gank and fish through the hole, yeah. through the ice or, you know, on the river, or whatever, you know, where you can go out and. You know, spots where you can catch grayling all day long till your arm wants to fall off. Or yep. if you're after big fish, there's places to go, just to go do that. And it's just pretty, I try to, I get over, a little overwhelmed sometimes. It's like, man, like how I take so much of it for granted just because it is what it is. And it's like, you're, we're constantly like trying to move on. Yep. It's like, all right, what do we got coming up next? What do we got yeah. coming up next? It never, <laughs> it never stops. It's, we get these little breaks here and there with winter and so that, but there's, it's hunting season all year long here. Yep. How many other places can say that? There's always something to hunt. You want to go hunting right now? Guess what? Lynx is open. Let's grab a predator, call in a couple of rifles, and go lynx hunting. Yep. Can do it. You know? Um, you know, bears open, but of course we know they're not too active right now. Now there's, I mean, you can always find a place to go get a caribou or... Yeah, caribou. Some go winter you know, caribou yeah. hunting. Yep. We've got winter caribou hunts that we can do. There's... If you're not doing something, you're not doing it by choice. Yeah. 
Because yeah, you, you chose to stay home, not because there was nothing to do. Yeah, or you just lack some creativity. Yeah. Birds. There's always birds to be shot. Or you're 45 years old and standing in your kitchen window with a cup of coffee going, it looks cold out there. I don't want to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, anyway, I better, I better, it's about my bedtime, but I would like to read a couple shit your pants stories. If, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lay them on if me. If we got, um, these are a couple, couple brief ones I screenshotted. All right. So here we go. All right, first one, guys named Mark. Mark's a welder. He said, uh, let's see, I was working on a ranch, and it was late in late August, so I was helping the hunting lodge get ready to go. The cabin has, I may have skipped a little bit of stuff, has all of the amenities you could want, showers, fridge, toilet, et cetera, but we were in a last-ditch effort to rip a new water line in for it, so the only toilet was a decrepit old outhouse that the guides use, but it hadn't been used in months. I was busy soldering the old water pipes when it hit me. The summer of eating canned fish was catching up with me fast. I made it to the outhouse without incident. When I opened the door, my horror, there were spider webs everywhere. Not usually a problem, but I killed several black widows that week. And needless to say, I didn't relish the idea of sharing a toilet seat with one. In desperation, I quickly cleared the seat and sat down with trepidation. In the middle of crapping, I felt something crawling on my rear end. Oh. Fortunately, I rocketed out of there, but when I looked, I realized it was only a stupid cobweb that the wind, and that the wind was blowing. Then I looked down. There was no saving my underwear. I sheepishly peeled my jeans off and deposited my underwear down the hole. Lucky for me, it was near evening, so I didn't have to go commando for too long. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah, I, spiders. I, I got one for you. I got a shit your pants story. I got when I was on Unimac last year, brown bear hunting. I don't know how, but we got the Jardia. Again. Again. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I always get Jardia. It's like every other year I get it and it wrecks me. But we filtered every drop of water that we drank on that island. We were super careful. I mean, the creek that we were pumping water out of was full of rotten salmon and bear shit. It was like humpy chowder. <laughs> but it, like, it smelled when you're, as it was running by you. We filtered it all. We are boiling water. The only thing I can think of is that like I ate some blueberries, and maybe some blueberries had some bear shit on them. I don't know. But I got sick. I got violently ill, and we're out in the Aleutians. Probably, you know, there's only a couple of humans on Unimac Island at the time, us, and then maybe a couple of other guides and hunters in different places. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were way, way out there all by ourselves, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it was, it was so bad that I would, after I killed my bear... That wake up in the middle of the night, could barely get out of the tent, but there's a couple of times where I couldn't get out of the tent quick enough. Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, the fart sack took on a new meaning. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I threw that one away after that trip. It was bad. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was a rough trip, but they took, uh, I took Jardia medicine with, with me when I was out there on the Island and mm-hmm. it, they started taking it and it helped, but, uh, it didn't help me. Soon enough to keep me from shitting my pants. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ooh, 
Yeah, that's that's rugged, man. So it's... like sleeping bag, everything's all. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That blew more mud than the deep water horizon. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. It was bad. It was bad. It's, it, have you ever had it? I never have had it. You're so lucky. It's going to get you one of these days. <laughs> I don't filter. I use Aquamir. I gas that stuff. Oh, okay. Freaking mm. chemically. I think I'm just going to start doing that. Leave my filter and just take a bunch of pills. I just, uh, all I do, well, it's just the drops, man. I just treat everything I drink and I, that's, I don't have to carry, I don't carry a filter. Don't screw with pumping water, none of that stuff. Just huh. fill it up and everything I drink gets gets treated and it How's don't it taste? taste, it don't taste bad. I mean, you can kind of taste it, but it ain't bad. Mm-hmm. I'll, I usually like to bring some of them electrolyte tabs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tastes- anyway, I have sheep hunting. It tastes better than your vomit when you're when you're puking up Jardia vomit. Mm. It was yeah, it was like frothy yellow. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> oh man, it I'm not so even a bad. dry heaver, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I think I lost 15 pounds on that trip. Oh man. So maybe try Tyler's. Aquamere maybe I could just get of, maybe uh, I could just get Giardia. I've been well, I've been on on, on Mr. Diet. Yeah. Only drink beer one day a week. I thought you were looking kind of trim. You're not yeah. quite as obese as you. Not usually quite are. as obese. Yeah, I freaking lost about twenty pounds so far since. Looking, I figured you were October, like November, CrossFit, and he would have told. He would have told us. If he I would have told us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's on, not get carried away. <laughs> getting on the Mountain Tough program. Yeah, yeah. getting in cheap shape. <laughs> Trained to hunt. Yeah, yeah, you should do a fitness it's podcast. It's a program. Next. It's a program that BHA has. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No. Um. Anyway. All right. Last shit your pants story from Dalton it said uh, when I was about fifteen, my brother and I were being little assholes, so Dad locked us out of the house to <laughs> do firewood. Shortly in, I had to go and go now. Ran to our outhouse and got my pants down in time. Sat down with no worries. I found out that that was a vital mistake because there was a wasp nest under the plywood seat. (laughs) Of course, those little bastards got the best of me and stung me 14 times on the small area that was exposed. I'd never been stung by a wasp on the ass or the nuts, but I've been... Oh. Lots of mosquito bites on the nutsack when you're like having to go take yeah. a shit in freaking June in the yeah. black spruce, and those suckers are just swarm you as quick as you got them pants down, man. Yeah, it's little... horrible. Oh yeah, <laughs> makes me itch just thinking about it. But wasps, oh wasps, right in the chin. Needless to say, I f- off I fucked. I made it. I, I made it across the lawn with my pants around my knees. My brother uncontrollably laughing. I made it to the bush and sat on a log. Mid-business, there was a loud crack, and down I went, wallowing in the peanuts and cornflakes that just left my body. Realizing I had defeated not once but twice by mother... I've been defeated by Mother Nature not once but twice. I snuck through my bedroom window, leaving a disaster trail through my bedroom and to my parents' room because they had to shower and wash the shit off my swollen balls. Oh, man. Nicely thanks, done, Dalton. Dalton. Let, <laughs> thanks for letting us laugh at your misfortune. Your misfortune. That's a priceless story. Oh, yeah. We're all human. Everybody's. <laughs> I haven't gotten nailed in the ass by hornets, but oh, we're on the. Ah, that would hurt. Well, them, them freaking yellow jackets. I don't know how many times uh, I've said it. I hate those things, and they're. The yellow jackets yeah. don't bother me as much as those bald faced hornets. They were bad this Big last ones. summer. 
They were bad, but I never, I've never bought, been stung by one. Oh, well, my, I didn't even get stung this year. We had tons of the bald face hornets were out early, and yep. then they kind of disappeared. And we had like all sort of ground nest and yellow jackets around here. Yeah, and just freaking my poor son, he got stung probably twenty five times this summer. Jeez, that poor guy. But uh, didn't sting me, so I guess we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well. Man, thanks for coming over, guys. Good to good it's to fun. shoot the shit a little bit, and yeah, it's good to catch up. It's yeah, been too no long. kidding. Yeah, way too long. So we'll do something stupid again next year for you. <laughs> we uh, promise. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to hearing how the how the muskox hunt goes, and yeah. it'll be it'll be an adventure someday. I'd like to kill one of those things. I I don't even put in for that one though because I'm just like I just I'm stubborn. I guess it it'd be nice to get Typhoon Pete on here to talk about. Uh, about a little giardia care in the field. Uh, some backcountry <laughs> medicine too. Yeah, no, that would be that would we'd, be good. An actual doctor. An actual yep. doctor. Yeah. And a hunter. He's a hell of a hunter too. Yeah. No, he. Uh, we called him Typhoon Pete after this last trip because he's destroying small oceanside communities <laughs> one pandemic at a time. <laughs> Kate, uh, patient zero. Patient yeah. zero spreading his diseases. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the irony, right? Yeah. He scrambled up that hill after that goat just fine, though. <laughs> yeah, and maybe one of the shortest goat pack outs, too, because he, he, he basically zipped, threw it off the cliff into the ocean. Into the ocean, <laughs> down the slide, into yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Scoop good. it up with the boat, huh? Then he had yep. to freaking time the waves to jump back into the boat as we're trying yeah, to pick that, him up. Yeah, that was a bit of an ordeal. We didn't, or we didn't even talk about that one. Because we were, yeah, it was kind of real gnarly swell, and you had to put him off on, on the cliff, and time it to where i yep. would you know put the boat into on the, the rocks. rocks yeah and yeah. so i had yeah i had to get him up on the bow and he had to jump off the bow and got the goat and and then they had to do the same thing to get him back in the boat unfortunately we didn't wreck anything that time no we're nice. great. He's so good. many of these trips it's like i get it stresses me out like I'm not worried about the hunt. I'm worried about how bad am I going to damage my equipment <laughs> trying yeah. to get in and get yeah, out afterwards. Well, we tried putting JT in there first. Yep. I got he my... was up on the bow getting ready to slide off, and we had timed it, yeah. and he stepped out, and then I slammed the jet boat in reverse, and as I'm backing off, <laughs> my rain his rain jacket balance. got caught on the cleat on the bow, so <laughs> oh, it's, man. it's dragging him back out. <laughs> yeah. Pete but, grabbed him and drug him up over the bow so yeah. he didn't end up in the ocean. They said, well, you know, you got a bad hip and a bad leg. And We made the smart decision of let's try the young athletic dude instead of the old broke guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's put him in on this one. <laughs> oh, so, man. He he jammed up the cliffs and yeah. killed a goat. Nice. So thanks for having yeah. us, Tyler. Yeah, no, good good to, good to talk to you guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I guess, everybody, thanks for listening. And if you uh, enjoy Tundra Talk, appreciate it if you leave a good review on uh, iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And um, if you want to check out, uh, look for, um, right now I have stickers and koozies in stock, a couple new designs, the snow machine and the and the bunny boot design. Have those in stock on the website at tundratalkak.com. And we'll be getting some more hoodies and shirts in hopefully really soon. So, um, yeah, stay posted. Yeah. Stay posted is that even a thing. I don't know. Fuck. All right, take it easy. <laughs>